This is the podcast. Today we're talking to Abel from Shroom Brothers. He is funny as hell. My name is Graham Twine. I'm from Suncoast Fresh. If you have missed any of the other podcasts that we have done, we spoke to Alana Sapwell, amazing person from ARC. Billy interviewed me, amazing person from Suncoast Fresh. I interviewed Jack, B13, amazing guy, knows all about bees. But today we're talking to Abel from Shroom Brothers. Let's get into this. Okay, you ready to roll? Yep, let's do it. Welcome, Abel. Thank you, thank you. Shroom Brothers is two of you. Yep, yep. What's his name, Andrew? Andrew and Abel. I got the yeah. honour of doing this interview. <laughs> no, well, he actually threw you under the bus because he said he doesn't really know that No, much. no, he's done that before as well. He doesn't yeah. like to get out at the front of anything media yeah. or, or kind of advertising. Why is that? Is that because know. you're the better looking one? He's, is... got, he's got middle child syndrome. So yeah, right. I ride that a lot on, on our arguments. So well. you're the older brother? Yeah, youngest. Yeah, ah, yeah, 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 well, yeah. I'm the youngest of two. Yeah, We're yeah. the cool people. Yeah. We, did, we did have an older, uh, Alex is our eldest brother, and we consider doing another mushroom on a label, so there's three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, we had to kick him out. <laughs> right. So for the people who don't know about Shroom Brothers, yep, you're yep. growing mushrooms. Correct, correct. On the New South Wales border? Where is yeah, it just, yeah. Is it so, in Queensland or New South Wales? No, it's, it's in New South Wales. So we're yep. in everyone at the moment transitioning to um, a Stoker siding, which unfortunately has been painfully slow. Um, just trying to get all the council requirements and stuff like that. So yeah. we're just in the process of that. Uh, fingers crossed, you know, early next year. But So I came down and visited your farm yep. a couple of times. But yep. one time, the first time I went there, I was with Ben and yep. uh, from Gerard's or used to be at Gerard's. Yep. And he, as we approached, he said, this looks like a meth <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and um, yeah. I'd never seen many meth labs, yeah. or not maybe five, no, not many at all. But um, and it was really tense, and, yeah. and um, you know, there's beautiful trees, yeah. and then there's stuff boiling away, yeah. and pots yeah. out the back, <laughs> and dodgy guys with one yeah. eye coming out, dragging his foot, and I was like, "Who's that? Was that Andrew? No, it wasn't. No, yeah, he, uh, yeah it was he was there that day, but that wasn't him. But um, yeah, an amazing sort of uh, scientific experiment. Yeah. Tell me more yeah. about what goes on there. Yeah, so <clears throat> like. Like a lot of small uh, small companies, you, you you have an idea, but you don't understand space requirements, or you don't understand what you need to do to grow it. So, um, you know, the, our history started just by Andrew and I talking about it. Andrew's in agronomy. Um, I'm a nurse by by trade, uh, or was a nurse. I've recently just resigned just to do full time mushrooms. But yeah, so Andrew's like, you know, we should do mushrooms. Let's do gourmet mushrooms. We predominantly you know, my background's Romanian. So in Europe, our grandparents picked chanterelles and porcinis in the forest. Wow. And they don't think that is a gourmet mushroom. Yeah. So we kind of grew up with these kind of mushrooms, predominantly vegetarian. And then um, Andrew's like, yeah, you know, let, let's try mushrooms. Wow. And then the, the meth lab commenced. But yeah, so it was more for testing. <laughs> Essentially, it was, it, it was uh, can, can we even do this? Yeah. Um, and then it gained traction quite quickly. And then... Um, you kind of expand in the the quickest way possible, but you know it's ne- it was never really designed for the purpose like our next farm will be. So it's sort of like at first with a lot of businesses, you're not even thinking about them as no. a business. It's sort no. of like, hey, I'm going to grow these, yeah, and now mm-hmm. we're going to sell them. And holy shit, what have we yeah. done? Correct, correct, right. And yeah. then you have demand, and then you have people. You, you have pressure. You have people saying, no, we want it. You want to meet that market, yeah. 
Um, so then you just start, you know, a, a building, putting up tents, grow tents. And yeah, yeah. You, then you have to learn how to sterilize, build a lab. And yeah, make sure it's all safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite the feat. Yeah, yeah, I bet. So let's talk about the actual process yeah. of, you know, <clears throat> from, you know, you guys got mm. together, mm. you're, an, you know, tell me exactly yeah. your first yeah. day at work. Yeah, so so the the first time we grew it was um, we were my parents went to on holiday for three or so months. Andrew and I crashed at their place and then started growing mushroom in, uh, mushrooms in my dad's cupboard because <laughs> um, we, awesome. we thought yeah we, we thought like everyone else mushrooms have to be in the dark which yeah. is which is a fallacy. It's like any other plant; it needs equal light and equal dark. Yeah, uh, it could even grow in full light if you. Oh want. really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the. You know, it doesn't need to be in the dark. So we put in my dad's cupboard along with all his suits. You know, he's a doctor and, you know, had all his fancy clothes in there. We're growing oyster mushrooms. <laughs> the good thing is oyster mushrooms don't have manure. So at least, you know, we didn't stink out his whole... Plenty of uh, doctor bacteria. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So, you know, it's kind of up in his alley. But yeah, so we grew that. Then we tasted it and then went, wow, that's amazing. That wasn't too hard. You know, inverted commas, too hard. Mm. The trauma came later. Right. So we then said, okay, we'll just um, we'll grow on our balcony. Then we started on like, you know, mum and dad's balcony. Yeah. And then we went, you know what, that's not too bad. Let, let's kind of just lease out a, a small part of a property and actually do research and development on it. Mm. Um, so you were still working? Yeah, yeah, no. I. And was Andrew working? No, Andrew um, was in his last year of agronomy. So essentially, for anyone starting any type of business, be ready to be traumatised, huddled in a corner and want to cry for at least five years. I thought that was just like a weekly <laughs> yeah, thing. That, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's not in your business plan. Yeah, <laughs> definitely doing something wrong. Yeah, so uh, you, he, I, I still work. So our company's been um, functional as such for around four years now. I only quit... Uh, uh, four months ago as we purchased our new property. So I was working eight-hour eight shifts and then another four to six hours at the farm, seven days a week. You got a partner? Um, yeah, well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> another, another. Yeah, I, I, I like to think that wasn't the reason for our, for our breakup. Okay. Um, yeah, now for, for, for my new partner, it was a big disclosure. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, hard work, working both, both jobs, yeah, um, and then Andrew doing that full time. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so so you grew them in the cupboard. Yep, and you grew them on the balcony. Yeah, and what did you do? Yeah, so after we leased his property, we said, okay, well, you then start to crunch numbers and realised, well, we're highly unprofitable if we start just uh, buying this quantity of of straw or whatever it is. So you start yep. then going, all right, well, what is around me that I can use to grow? Now, you're like, well, I got sugarcane, right? We're right at the the Kondong Mill. It's processing how many thousands of tons of sugarcane. Yeah. But funny enough, we can't get that at a cheap price. Wow. Even if we go directly to the farmer, because they yeah. sell it as mulch. Yeah. And they use they use it to power the plant. So then um, you're like, all right, well, I need to try everything. So, you know, we we try coffee, straw, barley, straw, wheat, straw, rice, straw. Um, 
hardwood from every tree you can imagine, softwood. You, you just go through that process. So that first year was just testing. Yeah, yeah, because I remember the coffee story. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Picking up coffee from yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So now we've got we've got got uh, the recipe down pat. Yeah, yeah. It's always changing depending because every strain is different. Yeah. So depending, you know, everyone thinks well, there's an oyster mushroom and. And everyone's obsessed about uh, white oyster mushrooms because that's predominantly be the one. When you go to, and we can talk about the, uh, my China trip, but you know they don't do uh, white oyster. Americans don't really do white oyster. Yeah, right. It's it, it's a very finicky um, strain of mushroom that doesn't respond well. Yeah. Rather than your your grey looking, and you get your varieties in blue to grey. So we then, um, you know, coffee. Now we work with a company called Kind Coffee. We then um, get around 500 kilos of coffee a week. Is that your girlfriend, Colin? No. <laughs> I'll just turn that off. That's a, that's a carton of beer. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> One's of I think I've got two goes. there for this. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, we can process whatever quantity, but essentially, depending on what strain, you have to use a different combination. Yeah. So I would say we've we've tested hundreds of tons. And when I'm saying hundreds of tons, it is literally hundreds of tons. Wow. Um, and, so. that's, and that's our stuff that Andrew and I have physically put into bags that have failed. Then we've taken them out of mm. our incubation chambers and then put them back in the forest. Yeah, right. So I know you guys all, you know, care about the environment yep. so you're always thinking so yeah i yeah. guess some of that thinking would have been hey how can we use a byproduct correct correct yeah, correct right. so the the whole you know the whole world's changing into a re renewable source you've got uh, climate change and everyone's thinking well how can i lessen my impact yeah so by using another waste product um not only do you have an ethical business but you've got a financially viable business the problem with that is that you're generally using a product that everyone else doesn't want. So there's a reason why everyone else doesn't want it. Yeah. So you then have to say, well, all right, I've got straw, I've got coffee, whatever it is. I've got banana leaves. You can do banana leaves. Well, let's. I have to look at the cellulose, the lignin and nitrogen levels, and what can I add as a supplement to complement that yeah. to get it to the profile I need a mushroom. So that took a, a long time, and everyone has their own recipe, and they swear by it. We don't say this is the one we're going to use because we continue to develop, mm. we continue to research, we continue to test, mm. and you know you need you need to always uh, you can't be comfortable where you are because someone else will come yeah. and they'll they'll outdo you essentially. Okay, so that so when you were doing all that testing, that was mm. in the the meth lab that yeah the tent yeah that's right in the forest there. that's right now um now so what what tell me about the mycelium yeah yeah so. So what people don't understand is, uh, especially with mushrooms, and this goes with button as well, but your most important aspect is your lab and your lab work. If you can't uh, produce mycelium, you're not producing a mushroom. The growing of the mushroom is the easy part. Mm. Uh, well, you know, easy in inverted commas, but the lab part's really hard. So essentially what, what you need to be able to do is uh, clone the tissue from the mushroom so you can find a wild one. You can walk into Woolies. I don't know if they got copyrights on their on their mushroom <laughs> strains, but yeah. you, you need to be able to say, "All right, I've got this mushroom. I need to take a genetic sample, so the tissue, yeah. or you take a spore sample when the mushroom drops." What's the difference? So um, most people, it's much easier just to get a, a tissue sample yeah. from from the cloning spores. You know, you can do that. That's not too much of. A, an issue when you have the system down pack, it's easier to cut the mushroom in half, 
cut it with a scalpel and put on an agar plate. Yeah. So essentially, so you've got the tissue sample, then you've got your agar. It still doesn't sound simple to me. No, 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 it's not what simple. Is, what is agar? Agar. So agar is the stuff it, in that. Yeah, trace. yeah. So it's a medium. For, you just buy that at Woolies. Or? No, no, you make it. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, um, agar is used in any lab. So. Right. You know, when they're trying to find out antibiotic resistance, they'll use agar. Yeah. So it's a it's a perfect medium for bacteria and fungus to grow yeah, on. Yeah. So, but then you have all right. Well, mushrooms are a little bit more particular. So a lot use a potato um, starch agar. Um, you know, everyone has their own recipe of agar. But the important thing is it's got a little bit of sugar in it and starch. Okay. So when you drop that little bit of tissue on it that will just start, the mycelium will kind of spread out, yep. it will puff out on that tissue, will, will grab onto the agar and grow onto that. Okay, so what we've got so far, we've got a bag full of straw yeah. and... Yeah, well, whatever you want, coffee, whatever. whatever. The, whatever the so that, that's medium. the end product. Right. So you need to start from the beginning. Right. So forget about the bag, okay. forget about all the substrate combinations. Yep. You have a mushroom on your table, you're like... All right, I'm going to cut it in half. I'm going to take a little bit of tissue. Yep. I'm going to put it on that agar plate, all in complete sterile. Like you can't have any particles of dust. Yeah, I remember seeing that room, even yeah. though it looked like a metal lab from the oh, outside. That yeah. was just the cleanest yeah. room ever. Yeah, so you, you got that clean room. You got a HEPA filter that filters there, and then you then put that tissue. So fingers crossed that doesn't contaminate. In two or three days, you'll see mold spots popping yep. out on it. You just chuck it out. If it doesn't contaminate, you got like a week or two till it fully fans out. Yep. So then you say, okay, I've got a, I've got a master. Everyone has different terminology, but we call it a master. So it's, it's kind of the mother strain. Mm, like the master stock. Correct. So you, you get that, and now you've got two choices on, on a business model that most people will take. They'll say, well, I'm going to now create spawn either through a liquid or either through grain. So you, you get a piece of that agar and you put it on the in a liquid, a sugar liquid, or you put it in uh, some grain. Now, it gets very technical in the grain part. You can use sorghum, millet, birdseed mix, wheat, f- uh, French millet. You can use whatever, you know, you have locally sourced. Yep. You, you know, most people have a variety of grains inside, depending on nutritional profile. It gets quite complex. Or you you put in that liquid form. Now, there's benefits to both. The liquid form is highly potent. So what happens, you'll you'll put that little piece of uh, mycelium in the liquid and over a week or two, the the mycelium will actually grow inside that liquid, suspended in the liquid. And you've got uh, millions of little uh, bits of mycelium floating around. Mm. So then you can pour just a tiny bit of that into the grain. And then that will take over. Or your other option is to put the agar in the grain directly without the liquid. Right. So the difference is you need a lot more agar because you're using that to put in the grain. Okay. The liquid can store, you know, we've had, we've forgot about glass jars and had them for two years. And then you use it and it's potent as ever. Wow. With agar, you've got probably a month or two, if you're lucky, before it starts actually trying to grow a mushroom on the agar. Okay. So you have to use it quite quick. So... Depends what people want. Yeah. Okay, so then it's starting to grow in the tents, yeah? Yeah, so then you get... So um, the next step... The next step is, again, <laughs> a little bit more complex as well. So <laughs> yeah. you, then, then most people have to decide, okay, I've got... Um, so I've got a successful piece of spawn. Now, what mushroom strain do I want? 
some will have to use heat pasteurization, some will use lime pasteurization or sterilization. So you've got three methods of trying to grow a mushroom. And depending on which strain you have to choose a, method, a different method. Now, you know, we, we gravitate towards a lime pasteurization for what we can, but some mushrooms like shiitake have to have, to have a heat pasteurization because um, lime makes it very alkaline, yeah. therefore killing and damaging the bacteria. So to get a little bit more complex, to confuse it a bit more, so the mycelium is actually, is actually a predator. So the mycelium itself, if, if you have a look and you see a little bit of patch of mold come up in your bag, you'll see the mycelium slowly go to it and it'll do two things. You'll either eat it and take it over and use it as energy, or it will create a, a surrounding barrier around it so that mold can't expand. Right. So it's, 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 highly, um, it's highly predatory in its nature where it just wants to you know, take over that bag as quickly as possible. So depending if you want to choose sterilization, uh, a lime pasteurization or lime or heat pasteurization, you're still dealing with the mycelium trying to take over as quickly as possible in that bag. So the 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 concept of it is is quite amazing because you get it's kind of has, has you know will use anything you can for energy to to consume it. Wow. So you know that that's why one of the first a lot of people don't this one of the first antibiotics was actually from. Um, uh, mycelium from oyster mushroom. Wow. Yeah. So it was from mold on cheese. We all know the cheese story. Yeah. But it was also from uh, mycelium because they, they saw that the, the... Do we all know the cheese story? You know the cheese story? No, we don't know yeah, the cheese story. Yeah, so the cheese story essentially is um, the, the first pen penicillin was developed or, or oh. the idea of it was from mold on cheese. I have heard this. My son's a yeah. pharmacist. Yeah. Sorry, Jared. Yeah. 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 So the, the story that people don't know is that uh, uh, from that... Uh, also, the mu uh, mushroom, oyster mushroom mycelium, they saw that it was able to eat and kill the bacteria that antibiotics were trying to um, trying to kill also. So, like, well, if, if they can do it, how, let's research the mycelium itself to develop the, you know, is the, is the mycelium releasing enzymes that are doing it? What, how is it killing that bacteria? Mm. So they did develop um, the first, one of the first antibiotics from it. So it was quite, quite a fascinating thing that's why they're classified as medicinal as well because they're quite yeah quite healthy yeah so so they so they're grown in the in the tent and yeah. i mean how do you manage things like yeah. production like because you hard. know like yeah. like yeah. you know as the mom was growing yeah. up is it like most things you're going to have too much uh, or not enough yeah yeah so well a lot of unlike your button mushrooms or your um like I don't want to sound too derogatory, but your manure mushrooms, they're yep. going on shit, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Plug for our mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the your oyster mushrooms particularly will only have, like, we'll move them within one day, a 24-hour period. Most will be picked that morning. Yeah. But you can't keep them like you can other products in storage. Yeah. So they're, they're highly perishable. You have to, to move them quickly. So, you know, yeah, you do have a lot of uh, pr production. And, you know, weather's, you know, we, we, we predominantly grow seasonally. Yeah. So you're dealing with outside conditions. Now, look at now, we're going through bush, the bushfires. Yeah. We had one day last week where our um, humidity dropped to 16%, which is the same as the Sahara Desert. So yeah. how, how do you deal with that? It's very difficult yeah. where we are at the moment. So you're doing smoked mushrooms at the moment. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Dehydrating smoked is our specialty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as much as when you're doing it in a grow tent, 
if it's not purposely built to stop every piece of every bit of air coming in and your sprinkler system is not up to scratch okay so they get you water them as well yeah yeah I yeah, yeah i didn't notice that when i was there so yeah yeah on the sprinkler. <clears throat> yeah so essentially, i thought there might have been enough moisture in the bag or something no no so that that is a good point if you if you're growing from a straw straw base there's a lot more water content and your mushrooms are far more resilient yeah. if you're growing them in a straw in a uh, sawdust there's not a lot of moisture so you need to hydrate a little bit right, more okay. so yeah well, we have our missing system throughout the whole tent but you know, the, our droplets are probably a little bit too large and we'll like. So in our new farm, it'll be essentially like humidifier-style droplets. Yeah. So the whole thing will just fog up. It'll still be outdoors because, you know, that's the best way to grow them. That's the most natural way to grow them, if you can. So when you do finish the new place, are yeah. we going to be able to bring yeah. people down? Yeah, for sure. You so, you know, we, we've even we've even got a – this was just us having fun. We got our uh, – we got a little um, – little buggy now that we just drive around the farm trying to like drift around our little corners <laughs> so, we get... so we'll be going down <laughs> yeah, the yeah. chefs and we yeah, will be drifting yeah, yeah. i was talking okay. to Andrew, i said part of our farm tour we'll have three of these buggies uh set up yeah. and um we'll sign disclaimers because there's yeah. no guardrail helmets but you know the beauty of our property it's just on a giant hill as well and yeah, the yeah. views are absolutely extraordinary so once everyone's done picking we just go for a, like a little like tour around the property and um just and we're going to eat mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're growing oysters. Yeah. Shiitake? Yeah, shiitake, very limited quantities. Yeah, right. And also, you know, everyone says to me, you know, like, you know, uh, they're the Asian type style mushrooms, yeah, yeah. should we say. But, you know, like your yep. history, yep. pachinis yep. and all those cool yep. mushrooms that, yep. we, that we want. Yeah. Why can't someone grow them yeah, for yeah. us? And, uh, you know, that's me being, yeah. you know, I, I, I reckon I know the answer, but... Tell us why yeah. that is such a pain yeah. in the ass. Yeah. So essentially, you got you got two type of mushrooms. You got you got your gourmet mushrooms that will grow through a um, you say a dead substrate like a dried wood, dried straw, dried whatever, and then you have mushrooms that work as a symbiote with a host, yeah. like truffles do. They yeah. work on the root. So yeah. essentially, your your oyster mushrooms they'll use all the energy to grow from in the bag. Then your your chanterelles, your pacinis, uh, your morels, or whatever whatever ones you want, they will grow as attached on a root or a root system on a right. forest floor. Yeah. And you know there are there are people growing um, some of these mushrooms, um, you know, commercially inverted commas. What they'll do is they'll get the pacinis or chanterelles. They'll, they'll clone it, they'll get the spore, and then they'll try to fertilize a forest, a yeah. natural grown forest. So yeah. you need your pie, you need you need certain trees, you need yeah. your beech, beech wood or adlar or so we have zero hope in Australia. There, there there are some people that are even trying to do it just in sheds, they can, but the the price range you could get them, yeah, it'll be hard to to get that at a commercial commercial level yeah yeah um and the difficulty just trying to grow normal gourmet mushrooms in the outdoor elements um is dramatic enough so what are the so there's the, the pepito yeah yeah so you've got you got every strain has a lot of substrains. yeah so you've got you know you got your, your, your chestnuts or cinnamon caps your piapinos your there's um you know, even some of the shimeji ones look like a um, like your pea pinos, but 
essentially you got substrains with a lot of strains. So we're doing um, the cinnamon cap or chestnuts, depending yeah. on what you want to call it. A lot of Australians now I've seen on the forums are calling it the, the, the scaly flame cap as well. Yeah. Because they've got that orange color and it looks like a little bit scaly, but whatever, whatever you choose, it doesn't matter. Essentially those ones are more weather tolerant and warm weather. So mm. we're in an area here where you know, it gets pretty hot most, you know, even our winters are 22, 23, which is great for us. So we're trying to look at um, sustainable all year growing, not necessarily giant sheds yeah. um, where yeah. they're not exposed to the outdoor elements. So there's millions of types of yes. mushrooms, yes. right? Yes. And is there any in Southeast Queensland, Northern New South Wales that yeah. you can go foraging for that, you know? <clears throat> yeah, that, that's one thing I, I haven't actually did a whole, done a whole greater research on it just because the likelihood of you eating the wrong one and dying is quite Well, hard. I heard that you can eat every mushroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Some that's right. only once. <laughs> that's right. exactly, you can. Right. That's okay. very good point. You can eat anything once. Where's the boom boom? <laughs> <laughs> <Put it on>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can. So essentially, you know, I know in the Blue Mountains, you have the ranges, they'll give you the, the maps and the pictures and then they'll check them before you leave. Um, so you can go to a ranger station and go, look, I, I picked up a whole bunch of mushrooms. Which ones are safe for me to consume? Yeah. We kind of don't have that here. And the ones you, you can find, I believe, are limited to the one or two strains. So that, I mean, I know it's not on topic of your particular farm, but that going down to the Blue Mountains, when mm. I think it's early autumn, just after the rains, mm. if the pine mushrooms are popping up, yeah. that is such a fun thing it to is, do. Now, you is. said you did it, or your parents did this. Yeah, thing. yeah. By going and finding oh. a mushroom when you know what you're looking for, yeah. I usually do it, it's usually around Easter, I think, yeah. and um, we run around the forest down there. That's My awesome. wife's family has a mm. house there, and mm. it is just it's like it's, mm. it's Easter for adults. Yeah. It's like an Easter yep. egg hunt. Yeah. Yeah. You get these meaty, meaty yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. So you're growing those. What other mushrooms are you going to grow? Are you experimenting yeah. with other so things? So we, we thought we had a good handle on the, the chestnut cinnamon caps, and we've just epically failed in both our two commercial uh, production runs. Yeah. Uh, which which is quite crappy. So we have to go back to kind of like everything works on a small scale. Yeah, like, yeah. great. I can produce two to five kilos a week then you increase to the whatever 50, 100, 200, and then everything fails. You can't even get the two to five kilos. So we, we just go back to research and development. On so you've got one. the oysters rolling and, and uh, got the so oysters. you're picking them. Like, so we give you a little order and then you pick them and then bring them up and yes. then they mostly go out the next day. Correct. So correct. we very rarely carry any of that stuff over. Yeah. Um, now, sometimes, and I know it's through summer, yep. that that stuff that I think it's mycelium, yes. but that mouldy yes. looking stuff yes. that's on yes. there that I just get yeah. absolutely cane for yeah. if there's any of that on there. <laughs> Tell people yes. what that is, yep. why it's safe, yep. and uh, yep. what happens to it when you cook it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, first of all, you, you you don't get mold on a mushroom. In, in itself, it can't can't grow mold. It might go off and you'll deteriorate the mushroom, but it can't actually grow mold. So that that white fluff that you see on it, um, and if anybody wants, I can take a picture of a growing on a log with the white fluff on it on the base. Yeah, yeah. So essentially it is the mushroom itself. Now, it just responds differently to temperature. When it's hotter, you just get slight, slightly more of the mycelium expanding and fluffing out because it's growing quite rapidly. In, you know, in summer, on say a 30 degree day, we'll pick twice a day. Um, and then in winter, it might slow down to, to every second day. Um, now you can play around with that with different strains, but yeah, so that, that fluff will come out in, in summer. It is hundred percent edible, 
100% safe and it's 100% part of the mushroom. It doesn't take away from the, the, the taste at all and the usability of it. Yeah. So when, when we, we do uh, supply mushrooms to whoever it is, we do explain, you know, there's, um, uh, this is how it's going to look. It's, it's totally safe. Cook it, eat it. If you're not happy, then come back to us. Yeah. But... So did you put a little leaflet in them at one point? Like well, dreamy, or that was an idea. Yeah, no, we, we, we did have that idea. And yeah. um, it's one of those things that requires a fair bit of education. You know, it's very easy. So the reason why you don't get that fluff, so we'll, we'll step back a bit. So the well, unless you're a boutique kind of producer, everyone else will punt at it. So it will be in plastic wrapped in plastic. Now, uh, we would rather f- go down the bulk road um, um, it's environmentally friendly, it's picker friendly, it's company friendly. Yep. Um, <coughs> so let's just reinforce what you just said there. Yeah. So what we, me and you, yes. are, and, you know, you more yep. than me, but, yep. you know, we're happy to yep. be doing that because yep. we, you know, we just did a video about yep. plastic a minute Correct. ago. Correct. But um, that that importance of yep. cardboard, yep. a little bit yes. of paper, yes. it's not yes. even that thicker cardboard. Yes. Okay. Going. So essentially this is... So you, you buy a 100-gram shiitake or 150-gram oyster, you've got a hell of a lot of plastic for such a small payload. Yeah. Now, that plastic, everyone knows, whatever 500,000 years it takes to biodegrade. Now, um, you know, it's it's a very, you know, most people have moved, moved past in Australia where we're still struggling with our, with our plastic use. Everything's wrapped in plastic. We said, well, you know, the... The majority of our clients will use around one, one to two kilos, say, in, in, in a go. You obviously have clients that might use 20, 30 kilos a week. So when we say we're talking about restaurants, right? Yeah, restaurants, yeah, yeah. that's right. So, um, you know, not only are you only using cardboard, which is fully biodegradable, but you're also reducing that, that time people are ripping up, um, you know, all their, their waste products. So yeah. they're, they're just tearing 150-gram punnets. You know, you got... Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, we want to do it with everything, yeah. cherry tomatoes, whatever. Yeah. So essentially yeah. you have that. Not only is it better for the environment, but it's cheaper for the bottom cost for a restaurant. You know, starting up a business, I called up the council and I was like, how much is my waste? Green waste is far more cheaper yeah. than, than your normal waste. So, so supermarkets, would you suggest, and I don't know if it's safe or yeah. hygienic or whatever, but if they had mushrooms in a big pile of brown paper yes. bags and yeah. tongs, yeah. That would be a better way for them yeah, to present yeah, and correct. sell mushrooms yeah, by the kilo. Yeah. So, you know, being in, having travelled Europe, the majority, a lot of mushrooms you'll see, especially in the markets or in, in the non, non-generic non supermarkets, and even in supermarkets, they'll have just loose packaging. Now, the difference between a European fruit shop and an Australian fruit shop is that they go and pick the fruit for you. Yeah. You go over to Europe, even in uh, Italy or anywhere, and I'm sure a lot of people already know this, but you, you, they don't want you to touch the fruit. Correct. Yeah. Do not touch the fruit. Yeah, yeah. Away yeah. from the yeah. fruit. <laughs> we will bag your mushrooms. We've yeah. washed our hands. Yes. We're going to use tongs. Yes. Yeah. Now, that doesn't happen here. No, no, it doesn't. Now, the, the only difference is, you know, you're, you're punting because uh, I'll just touch back on, on the fluffy mycelium and then jump forward again. So the reason why you don't get that in, in packaging is you have a fully sealed, pretty much 0% oxygen cryovacked uh, um, uh, packaging so therefore the the mushrooms in a stasis so when when we pick it it's got that a little bit of fluff if you put it in a punnet you'll keep it at a very small level but you you pick it and put it in a box and they'll just fluff out a little bit more mm. so 
it doesn't matter. Is that a technical term? Fluff out. Fluff out. That's that's going to be my technical term <laughs> from Shrew Brothers. will coin that. So fluffing out. Yeah. So yeah, and then go going to I think you know we really do want to push and see our products um, in in um, supermarkets lose. I think that that is definitely the future. People just have to understand is they're not going to look the same. So you're not. I can punnet a mushroom and then it will be no tear in it perfectly assembled when you have loose due to transport due to movement the pedal might tear the mushroom that doesn't take away from the can you imagine that you've got a tear <coughs> mushroom and you're just about oh. to chop it up on your chopping board a lot of people have Crisis. issues with that yeah, yeah i think people need to move past this and be like don't be indoctrinated with this perfect idea of produce it's not going to be perfect some are going to be small some are going to be larger some are going to be teared some are going to grow differently now that is a natural product and just because mushrooms are torn, even though you're going to tear them, does not take away. It's because it's in loose packaging. Yeah. It's in its most natural form and it's in the best form. Yeah, I think I judge a good farmer's market by when I go there and they um, haven't got every sweet potato exactly the same size. <laughs> yes, I'm like, correct. How do you grow correct. them all the same size, correct. bro? Correct. Ooh, maybe you didn't grow them. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, so essentially we do think there w- there will be that push until, you know, when we move into our next uh, farm, we will have capacity uh, to expand um, to, to what the market wants. How long is that away? I know you had a heap of cold up yeah, and stuff. So um, we should be officially getting our last two engineering reports in the next two weeks. And then the question is how much does – how much how, – how much does the government slash council work around Christmas time is a question. Um, yep, you know, not much. We don't want to be derogatory you know to... What? They're our customer at the beach, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I wish I could you know, slip through a few nice mushrooms under yeah. the table, but it doesn't work like So that. you sell um, at the farmer's market, I mean, yeah. mainly to us, is that yeah, my yeah. understanding? Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah, mainly to you guys. Yeah. And then we got uh, Mullum and Byron Farmer's Markets. Yep, okay. Um you know, once once we are in our new spot and we can actually produce our shiitake and king oysters in a larger capacity, right now they're so small and niched that, you know, we can't do it on bulk and mm. you can't really up, you, yeah. know, you don't want to overpromise, even though, it, you know, it does happen. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the cool ways you're seeing them being cooked? What are the chefs doing? Yeah, now? so the, the, the funny thing is when we first came into this um, this business, we thought, oh, you know what? we'll just hit up the high-end restaurants because they're the people that are really going to use our product. And then within a very short period of time, we realised that the the cafes and the breakfast joints are the people that love it the most. Yeah. So, you know, the the main market, Australians love mushrooms. Australians love breakfast. They're obsessed with breakfast. They're like crazy nutcases for breakfast. So that's great because they also love mushrooms. The problem is they love button mushrooms, field mushrooms, portobellas, which are great in their own respect. So what we need to do is that, that slight mentality shift where our mushrooms are healthier. You can use less to get a better taste and they do have a more meaty consistency. Why are they healthier? Well, essentially, they're, well, one, they're not grown on manure, but two, they're classified as medicinal because the actual um, nutritional properties inside are, are higher than your button mushrooms. Mm. So the nutritional properties, especially vitamin D, if 
if they're grown outdoors like ours, have a very, very high level of vitamin D because they can absorb it through through the natural processes rather than a shed-grown um, uh, mushroom. You know, you have, see, the thing is you have to do that with button mushrooms. You've got no other choice. Mm. So you have to grow them in sheds. And if you try to grow them outside sheds, you'll just lose all your crop. Yeah. So... So we're cooking them uh, for breakfast. Yeah. So that's more yeah. of a European style. So, you know, yeah. like I said earlier... So how do you do it? Yeah. yeah. So um, we... There's a variety. At the moment, the, the trend is probably pickling. Yeah. So um, they'll put in a brine. Depend, it could be, you know, some are more vinegary, some are less. Um, so at the moment, it's smoked and uh, pickling the mushrooms are the main, the main. You know, probably a year ago was your, you know, typical butter, garlic side. And now you can definitely see the, the culinary side of um of australia kind of advancing into using pickling i think there's a whole craze with fermenting and pickling right yeah, now yeah. so they're they're pretty much the the majority of times um other ways um that uh being tried which people love is they'll they'll even batter and just uh deep fry and tempura, mushroom. tempura. Yeah, yeah, yeah people they'll have chefs will say to me you know we have our customers saying oh that was awesome chicken that was such good and he's like dude you had a mushroom I mean, I think we're right on the edge of, you know, the whole vegan yeah, movement yeah, and, you know, yeah. you know, you watch anything yeah. these days and yeah. it's becoming more and yeah. more obvious that it's a healthy, it is, it is, you yeah. know, yeah. environmental. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you take away from the taste of things. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm no, predominantly no, no. vegetarian, um, you know, and plant-based diet has shown now in research, even from my, you know, uh, health background, is the healthiest diet, you know, even if you read... The recommendations on red meat we far outdo it in australia yeah. by a factor and of mushrooms are yeah yeah and a lot of people are like oh i don't like mushrooms a lot of times it's a consistency issue you know you you get a, just a wet mushy taste in your mouth uh from... you're not selling them here <laughs> no yeah no no your um your sorry let me clarify your button mushrooms and your portobellos can get yeah. quite uh, a watery even post-cooking yeah and quite mushy you go to your shiitake your oysters and your kings and you got some chew to it you got some consistency and yeah. you've got a better uh, flavor profile so Tell me a little bit more. They just put them on toast, or they just toast? You know, yeah. So the uh, so the pickled, yeah, and then the ones with the fry them and yeah, just serve them like a normal mushroom. Yeah, like a slay, a yeah, that's right. Yeah. A lot, a lot will do yeah, with mushrooms, be it if it's poached or they'll yeah. put it on a potato roti, or they'll yeah, um, yeah. So it will be in combination with the with with eggs. Australians, mushrooms and eggs. Yeah, that is a winning combination. If any chefs listening, yeah. just go mushrooms and eggs for breakfast. And you've got a winning formula. Stray yeah. away from that. And Australians just want the mushrooms and the eggs. Make yeah. it make it something that they can't do at home. Yeah. And you've got a winning recipe. So tell me about China. Yeah, so China. So I just came back from a business trip from China. And a lot of people have this idea about China and Chinese products and quality and stuff like that. And yeah. I'm sure it's justified in some areas. So I went to one of the, the, the largest um, shiitake farms. And they have one square kilometre of growing room. One square kilometer. Wow. So, um, so that's over five hundred tents. Now, it's quite interesting to see their progression. They, they, ha- they'll have like a four or five story building just on hybridizing shiitake, wild um, shiitake strains to get into production for the best possible shiitake tasting, uh, everything longevity, and on top of that, they'll they. 
their automizations are actually quite incredible. So they, everyone thinks, oh, just cheap Chinese labor. Actually, the, the, the labor has switched to Vietnam and now they're doing all automation. So they're at the forefront of not only growing shiitake, they're at the forefront of equipment and automation as well. So, and even the, the quality would, would blow me away. So they, they said, oh, you know, at the moment, you know, we're scaling down because we're, we're building some, some other buildings and we've just only got uh, 100 shiitake tents running and, you know, we'll get, you know, uh, one tonne a week from it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're, wow. it's quite interesting to see, you know, the, the scale of what mushrooms can be. You know, the, it can feed a lot of people sustainably and ethically uh, and there's, there's real no limit now because technology has allowed us for it. Wow. So a ton of mushrooms, like, I mean, yeah, that's, like, that's a big... That, that's, yeah, because you might say, well, how much is your own body weight in mushroom? You probably times the volume by two or three times. Wow. So it's, it's quite interesting to see, see that, that volume being moved, the infrastructure you need to move that volume, the, the packaging styles, and they don't spray their mushrooms with... Uh, fungicides and pesticides they they're quite you know china's going to that ethical standpoint as well it's good to see as well like the the guy said you know previously this city was white you couldn't see 100 meters in front of you now it's clear yeah right because they're doing a lot more solar and yeah yeah they're the leading purchasers of of, uh, solar cars and cleaning up their economy the question is how much damage have they done to the environment before they clean it up yeah yeah but uh especially mushrooms i can say that their products are still still uh quite good obviously you're never going to get the freshness you can't import to australia shiitake no. or mushrooms that get the freshness but they're you know they've got hundreds of years not thousands of years of cultivation history yeah. you cannot deny their knowledge base yeah, yeah it was fantastic to see someone put it all together and they were super willing to share with you yeah, and open yeah, and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. They, you, you they, just googled them or? no they they messaged me on instagram before their account got banned you know they can't use uh, instagram oh, in china right. yeah they Shit. got heavy yeah. social media and when i was going there i was like dude do i just go to china on some guy's comment yeah. so so i started talking to him via email and he seemed like he knew what he was saying i was like oh well i'm in bali on holiday uh for a few weeks i'll go to china for a few weeks and um, and then yeah, lucky someone turned up. I was scared that I was going to rock up, so you know, get knocked out, kidneys gone. But China, <laughs> but t- I'll tell you what. T- I knew you were going to yeah, say that. A little but part of Chinese me was nervous. people, you know, uh, I know we harp on it, but they are honest people. Yeah, yeah. They mean well. They are human beings. And yeah. They were a pleasure to deal with. Yeah, I cannot. Yeah, no. If you want to go see China, visit China. No one can speak English, but they're really friendly and happy yeah. to help. I found it super in Japan as well. Like, yeah. I've never had so many people help me get yeah. the right train. Correct. And, Correct. Yeah. yeah. Chinese people I, are just more boisterous than your, your Japanese. They're very loud. You know, if there's this, a gap of 10 centimeters in a line, that means you're not in a line. <laughs> you, I know. You, it would be classified yeah. as like sexual assault in a line, what, we, what you do there compared to in Australia. You're yeah. just like stuck on people. Yeah, right? yeah. So, I know. I, I, feel, I mean, definitely our personal space is much bigger. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, traditionally, you know how they eat soup and stuff yeah. like that. Like, once you understand oh, why they're yeah, swerping yeah, yeah. it and it's yeah, getting the air yeah. and it's getting more flavor, yeah. but, you respect correct. it. But when you first see that, like, it's quite incredible. Man. I was on the plane ride back and, and, a, and a Chinese guy was slurping his muffin <laughs> i was like yeah and I, I was like all right fair enough that's the way you do it no problems but once you understand their culture you're like they are friendly nice people and i can't wait to get oh hot pot chinese hot pot with mushrooms far 
Okay, I'm going to propose an idea. <laughs> How about we take some chefs over there oh, for a holiday and yes. go over and do a little tour that of that is good, and yeah. go eat some stuff? Oh. Because I know I talked to Brendan Barker from Madame Wu and Benny from Long Time yeah, and a few yeah. others, and that would be an amazing yeah, thing to yeah. do. So we should put that on our little yeah, agenda. Definitely. Saying that on there, so it's permanent. Yeah. Um, yeah wow. But, but yeah, so you know, they, they show me all the other mushroom strains, strains they grow as well. It's, it's just good to see the the variety that's out there and the possibilities. This is like a lifelong dream and aspiration for Andrew and I to just bring in mushrooms that you know your your shiitake, your king oyster, and um, your normal oyster will just be your 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 standalones. But we're really excited to bring those really niched ones when when we can on a large scale. Okay, well, quickly again, because we, you know, we're on the second time here, but um, is it the blue ones, the yellow ones, and the white ones, and yeah. the grey ones, yeah? Yes, yes. Is there big flavour differences? Yeah, so in regards... And there's a pink as well, yeah, yeah. there's a pink as well. So in regards to your white and your blue, I would say, you know, I argue with my brother all the time over this, but I would say it's negligible. Mm. Um, it's just your... It's just... It's a better strain to grow. It's a yeah. more hardier strain. It, it lasts longer. It, it runs with our temperature, our natural environment... I can grow that blue, the yeah. white I can't. Yeah. So I want to grow what I can um, seasonally. Um, but your pink and your yellows are completely different. So, you know, I've had some person tell me this and I didn't know even what to think. I was actually gobsmacked. He's like, yeah, I'm going to put the yellows in a smoothie and blend them in a smoothie. I was like, geez, your game. But, you you know, they're, they're very different flavour profiles. You know, they say the pink has a more bacon um, I, I don't know if I'm a fan look, of the pink. Look, I, I, I would like I like the blues the most. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to be very careful cooking your, your pinks and your yellows, and you have to really understand their flavor profiles because they're far more unique. They're not just as generic as your um, as your your whites or your blues. So if you know if you're looking to cook with yellows or pinks, definitely do not just put them in your standard meal because they'll turn out interesting. Mm. So you you really want to cook them and taste them just in their basic profile to understand what they are because they're very different to each other. Mm. Well, so you've been doing it about four years, you yeah. said, and how's it going? How's the business part of yeah. it going? Is that yeah. working for you? Yeah, so, um, you know, not many people realise I have not taken a paycheck in five years from this company. Yeah, right. Andrew has not taken a paycheck. So everything of the money goes right back into the company for, for research and development. Yeah. And now expanding into a new farm, you can imagine that any of our savings are then going into this as well. Yeah. So we're, we're all in. If this doesn't go wrong, I'll just, you know, go to my dad for a consult and just put me into a psych ward. You know? <laughs> the meth game must be going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah look, There's I something I was just about to say. <laughs> How's the meth game going yeah, look, on the if, side? Because if, if I could grow like everyone, a lot of people comment the, the other style of mushrooms, the, the magic mushrooms or anything else, yeah, I yeah, probably yeah. wouldn't be here or be in the Caribbean. Because, you know, let's face it, you're not far, <laughs> like, you're not far from No, Byron. I'm not far. And look, a lot of people ask us, but um, no, I would keep that on the down low and yeah. I'd be like Pablo Escobar or somewhere just for like So look, it ticks a heap of boxes. Yeah. It's healthy. Correct. You're growing it in an environmental yes. way. 
Yes, with locally sourced waste. You're not waste. making any money. All Australians like that. Yeah, yeah, of course, that's right. Um, and you can pickle it, you can fry yeah. it, you can do loads of things with yeah. it, and it's super fresh because you're delivering it here Correct. every day. Correct. Correct. You're six days a week delivering to us. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, you know, we don't get a day off. Like, I'll, on my Saturday nights for the last five years, I've been picking. Yeah, right. So, you know. Pick and you day. wonder why you're single. Yeah, that's right. No, no, I've got a lovely lady now that <laughs> is, is willing to tolerate this. So. <laughs> So, you did, know, did, did you do the fun guy thing? Yeah, no, that? no, I didn't. She's probably got brain damage. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can say that. This is a recording, you know. Yeah, that. yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. No, she has it alone. She'll listen to it. But <laughs> even if she does, I'll get, I'll get something ready, a gift on my Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leave that in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't come up. My girlfriend just listened to the podcast. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be a couple of days, okay? I've got to go on a holiday. Yeah, yeah. If I rock up with a black eye when I'm delivering you my wires. Well, we've had a great relationship. Initially, you started with Sam. Yeah, you guys were the first. Wow. Brendan was the first to message us on Instagram and say, hey, Oh, Brendan, um, Brendan Abel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, so Brendan Abel. Abel. Uh, anyone who doesn't know Brendan, he's the buyer, the the guy who chases all the produce for us. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he's 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 pretty pretty good to have seen us come up and. He is an know, amazing person. Just want to touch yeah. on him for a second. He is an absolute yeah. amazing person. Yeah. And even you, even like even though I'm doing obviously this podcast for you guys, but even your company has been there even for us when. You know, you, you have to have a fair bit of tolerance for anyone starting up or you have to have a fair bit of tolerance for anyone in agriculture because yeah. there will be that time where they ask you, do you have any, you say no, and how do they react? And, um, you know, you, you guys have been awesome and and you've been there from the beginning, which is great to have that, that, that yeah. journey story as well. Thank and, you. And then, of, and then you guys are our priority as well. Yeah. So you, we don't have any other wholesale that gets our product. Yeah. And we're super grateful for that and super privileged. And, you know, that fits in with all of our mm. goals to, mm. you know, to get cool, local, yep. environmentally friendly, <clears throat> healthy yep. products yep. onto many, you know, cafes and plates in, the, in around the place. So yeah, right. it's really it's really a nice feeling yeah. to know that yeah. you're, you're waking up and you're doing that as yeah. much as possible. Correct. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you're sort of, it's a whole community type thing. So. It is, it is. Wow. Yeah. Well, Andrew and Abel, Abel yep. the brothers, yep. and you're the youngest, so that's yep. why I have to say his name first. Yeah, um, We love dealing with you guys. Yep. Thank you. So tell us your Instagram one more time. Yep. So shroom.brothers, and hopefully within the next month or two you'll see our full progression story of our new farm awesome and we'll be open once we're operational to even public farm visits wow yeah we really want to educate people where food comes from awesome but the buggies will only be for the chefs right okay (laughs) (laughs) thank you man absolute pleasure to have you in um that's a wrap Uh, Thank you, Abel, from Shroom Brothers. What a great chat. Coming up next is Matt Galinsky. He has had uh, an amazing life, and we're going to learn an absolute heap from him.